Hey, this is Phil Yanov with the Tech After Five podcast. And uh, I don't know if you're having this problem, but you know, I spend a lot of time in Zoom meetings. Now, the thing for me is I see that mostly it's just that my chair is really uncomfortable and I have not done anything about that yet. I've got most of the other stuff worked out, but the chair thing is just bothering the heck out of me. But you know, I think there might be some ways to make Zoom meetings, you know, we thought maybe we could make them fun, but at least, I don't know if we can make them fun, but certainly we should be able to make them less miserable. And uh, that is what we are here to talk about today. Are there ways for you, I mean, particularly if you're trying to lead a group or you've got to pull a group together, you've got to get them somehow encouraged to hang out on your Zoom meetings and, or whatever that might be, it doesn't matter, teams, meet, whatever, but, uh, but you've got to get them to hang out with you and this can be kind of a problem. So we've uh, brought in an expert as well as our lovely panel of guest. No, our sorry, our lovely panel of co-host inquisitors uh, to make sure that we get to the bottom of the bottom of this thing right here. So first off, let me introduce my good friend Scott Pfeiffer. Scott, uh, good to see you, pal. Good to see you too, Phil. Always glad to be here. Yeah. We're glad to see you. Um, I'm just pointing out right away again, Scott once he's got two, not one, but two logos now. And I think that what Scott is trying to tell you, do you see that he's got a logo on one panel? This is, of course, for you, the YouTube audience. He's got two logos there, but he has nothing on the other side. So that space is for rent, friends. I mean, if you can send him a poster, I mean, a, a, a patch, a pin, something like that, you know, that and a saw buck, and you can probably get it on an episode, right? So, I mean, just enough to cover a good bottle of gin. And when we say good bottle, we mean Plymouth Navy strength is what we want Scott to be drinking. That's the good stuff. Do we hear sponsors? Sponsors? <laughs> this, is, this is it. This is it. You know, you guys are going to force me to somehow have to include those disclaimers in the YouTube channel when we do that. I've, you know, so far we've managed to avoid that. All right. Um, size this podcast. Yeah, that we, somehow we're going to make cash out of that. Um, and of course, I have my uh, good friend Carol Hamilton here in her. Uh, all again, I feel sorry for you who can't see it because she has got purple glory going on. It is she is selling the purple it, uh, <laughs> as we look out over the Thames. That's Carol, right. Carol, yeah. You. Clearly, uh, Sherwin Williams is my sponsor because it keeps changing color. But yeah, it is delightful to be here. And I love the whole concept that we're going to figure out ways of making Zoom perhaps less miserable and maybe even more impactful. Wouldn't that be a nice change? Glad to be here. Oh my here. gosh, to get more good out of it. I hadn't thought about that part. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, mind blown. We'll put that, we'll get Jesse to stick that in there too, the mind blown <laughs> thing. Um, but, and of course, we brought my good friend, a guy I've known a long time, and he is a, a leadership coach, and his name is Manfred Gallant. Manfred, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Phil, and uh, uh, thanks for you guys uh, hanging, hanging here with me. Yes. Well, that's what we're doing, you know, and of course, we're all, again, we're all working from home or living at work, depending on how you like to look at this, in a whole <laughs> variety of places. Manfred, I want to start with you, just kind of ask that question on the front end. You know, we start with the idea that, um, you know, hey, good news, everybody has learned how to use Zoom, Team Meet, whatever, pick yours, poison or whatever, but... Um, but this is also kind of problematic. We've noticed all sorts of troubles in them and engagement can be difficult. And I think that you're going to tell me that this is particularly difficult if someone's trying to lead a team. Have I got that right? Well, no question. And uh, I think uh, what we need to consider is uh, uh, the uh, distributed workforce or remote workforce, uh, no matter what term you want to use, is here to stay. Uh, no matter if it's a full uh, remote workforce like uh, companies like uh, WordPress uh, use uh, globally since quite some time, even before COVID-19, uh, or uh, if it is uh, a, a, a kind of a, a part-time uh, distributed uh, remote uh, activity. It will be here to stay, and it requires a little bit different approaches to uh, manage and lead. Yeah. I think we we agree. There's some there is something to that, right? We got to figure out how to engage our audience, right, and have better meetings. And uh, it seems like uh, you've got some ideas around that. We kind of listed out a few of these, and maybe you could talk to us about that. You know, one of the things you said right off, and I'll start with the first one, and I'm going to 
maybe get Carol in on the second point, but the first one was, you said it meeting length matters, primarily setting shorter meetings. Talk about that. Uh, look, first of all, and that is not only for digital meetings, uh, we tend to hold too long meetings and have too many people in them. Uh, not everybody has to be in there, but it's kind of um, tradition. So uh, in a, on a digital basis, we need to even shorten that even more, not only to make it more efficient, but to make it work in the first place. Uh, if you think about yourself, uh, how, can you, how can you sit three hours or two hours in front of a screen and look at 20 people? I mean, you, you, you will be very tired after 10, 15 minutes and, uh, and uh, it's, uh, you start drifting off and, and that's when we are not engaged anymore. And engagement in a meeting is everything. Right. Well, and Manfred, I'd like to ask you a question too, because what I'm seeing a lot is people aren't even turning on cameras. Now, this is old school behavior. Back before COVID, it was accepted that you could just treat this as a conference call. But what I'm finding is that people are now not only having 20 or 30 people on the call, which means there's too many to really interact well, but also they're not even getting this, this visual that we're needing. They're just sitting there with slides up and then talking to a slide for 10 coma-inducing moments or something. Are you seeing some of that too? Uh, most certainly, yes. Uh, of course, uh, look, uh, I, in, in my meetings with clients, uh, um, it's always camera on. Uh, and, but if you think about a meeting one-on-one where you have just two people and one has the camera on, the other one doesn't, uh, you feel like being naked. Yeah. <laughs> it's an emotional uh, uh, perception that is, uh, it's a little bit different when there are uh, 15 people on a meeting and uh, three, uh, three are not visible on camera. Uh, you have just a still picture. But in general, I think it is common courtesy uh, to uh, turn your camera on. Uh, challenge is, of course, a little bit technology because uh, if your internet connection mm-hmm. isn't uh, uh, reasonably good, then uh, uh, if you have video on, it takes more bandwidth and uh, you get more still pictures, even you, it shouldn't be a still picture. Uh, so th- th- there are some, some technology challenges along the way, but in general, from an emotional and relationship and interaction perspective, I suggest always uh, uh, to have cameras on. Well, and building on that, do you have some thoughts around who should be in the room? Because the more, the more, every time you add a person, you add in challenge for connection, human connection, right? Is if I'm understanding you. And so now when we're talking about how many people are you bringing in, it really comes back to how are you even deciding who should be there, right? Absolutely. And that, that starts with, with meeting planning. And I work with my clients uh, on generally on making meetings more effective. And I'm not talking necessarily digital meetings in general. And, and how do you make them more effective? First of all, you don't have 15 items on the agenda and 25 people and, uh, and several of those people have uh, 10 minutes uh, of fame and the rest of the three hours they are sitting there and listening or checking their phones or doing email or whatever. Uh, you, you focus meetings, have, have rather one subject or two subjects on it and have the people that are related to that subject uh, and the rest get, meet, get uh, minutes. And of course, then we can also talk about how do you design meet, uh, uh, meeting minutes that people are going to read. Mm. Um, so uh, to... So to have an effective uh, meeting, our first step then is to prepare vigorously before the meeting. Is there anything else you would do besides limit the agenda and limit the attendees before you ever start the meeting? Well, I have a rule on meetings, and I learned that the hard way. Um, but uh, I have a rule on meetings. Uh, I, I always My recommendation is to have a desired outcome defined as the headline of the meeting. No matter if it's uh, to inform on XYZ, to decide on on, uh, whatever an issue is, or 
to uh, come to a conclusion of uh, something. <coughs> Excuse me. You you want you want to get uh, a clear desired outcome, and and that in itself uh, eliminates uh, to have fifteen subjects on it. Mm. Um, so because you want those that participate already come to the meeting with the desired outcome in mind. How am I going to contribute to make a decision on doing X? So we're going to, in the title of the meeting, say exactly what the desired outcome is for this meeting. And then that's going to help us limit the agenda and limit the attendees and limit the time because we're there to talk about this. That is certainly uh, uh, the idea. And, and let's face it, if you don't know what the desired outcome should be, why hold a meeting in the first place? <laughs> yeah. well, and I think that's right. And I mean, but, okay. Yeah, so I, I love being functional. So let me give you that stroke on this on the front end first, right? I, I love the idea of saying, how can we handle this from a functional perspective? Let's make sure that we're getting things done in meetings. Um, I'm also curious about in this moment where we're not seeing each other face to face enough, how do we solve that problem of not having uh, the just more casual interactions, the social bonding, the building rapport? I'm worried about that a little bit. And I'm not trying to be woo. I just think we collaborate better when we have a positive regard for the people that we work with. And that is harder to do when I'm not seeing them as often. And I'm, I'm wondering if you've got some thoughts on that, Manfred. Well, first of all, uh, um, I encourage having also uh, meetings for the whole team, half an hour or, or whatever you decide, we're just shooting the breeze without, without a purpose. Just what's going on? How are you guys doing? Uh, uh, anything fun? Anything uh, bothering you? Just having shooting the breeze and uh, kind of having a beer. Uh, yeah. that maybe after, after hours or at the end of the day. Right. So do you mean, so is in your mind, then we just separate those two functions? Basically, you know, when I think about like, there are lots of meetings where I think, ah, the first five minutes are what we would call bonding and rapport, right? So I'm doing that before I get to the functional aspect. You're saying that it might be okay to just take that and move that to something else, uh, move that into a separate meeting and say, you know what, Friday's is happy hour. And that's when we're going to all sit down with a beer and have a drink and four o'clock or three o'clock or you know, two o'clock, uh, but we're going to work whatever that is, right. We're going to figure that out. But anyway, but that bonding report, we don't want to say no to that, but we're saying that we don't want the meet, the normal meeting where we're trying to get work done to get overrun by something that we're not taking care of elsewhere. Yes. Uh, and, and uh, of course there is always at the beginning a little, uh, uh, so how are you guys doing? Anything? But keep that to two minutes, three minutes. Uh, just uh, don't have 15 minutes on that. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but really, uh, the other thing uh, uh, in addition to that is uh, I encourage people having more one-on-one -on -one contacts also via camera uh, because that helps as well. And, and, and uh, I encourage leaders, uh, my clients, to not only have the meetings with uh, whoever is necessary for the meeting, but but touch base with individuals and, and don't talk necessarily about that project or that issue, but find out, so how are you doing? Uh, did your wife find, it, find her a job again or is she still off? Or right. Finding out what, what people do, how they are doing, because you, you don't have that anymore. When you are in the office, yeah, you walk by and say, oh, by the way, uh, uh, how are the kids? Uh, or uh, is your son, how is your son's football game uh, uh, going? Uh, 
you right. don't have yeah. those opportunities. So you need well, to- I really like that advice. I have to tell you, I think that's, that's worth repeating because I have so many people who are sitting there in groups of 20 plus saying, I now need to have a conversation about Scott and how the kid's doing or Phil and how's the family. And that is so difficult to do because you have various people in various time zones who just don't have the patience. I love the idea that you might stay with business during the meeting, but then get on calendars to have that 15 minutes of, you know, Manfred, I just want to go human to human with you. How are things going? I know this is a rough time. I know you're still in quarantine or whatever it is that's happening and be able to really connect, but really connect, not just pretend you're trying to connect in a meeting. That's, that's great advice. Thank you for that. Look, uh, we, we are, uh, we have this situation uh, that uh, we have to work from home. Uh, and and uh, we think, well, this is cool for people. They are not allowed to work from home. They can be in their slippers and, uh, and uh, just have a shirt on and everything is fine. Uh, how comfortable is that? Well, uh, maybe not. Maybe there are now several people that have to work from home and we don't really have the spaces for everybody and we don't have... Uh, and we have to stress that one of my uh, that my spouse is uh, is laid off or on furlough, and we don't really uh, know how things are going. Yes, I still have a, have a job, and uh, but I am other kids home for for uh, for home learning, and there are all kinds of issues. So it's not all hunky-dory and cool and uh, and um, comfortable. But the, the real point here is that you're going you're gonna to decide what kind of meeting this is up front and communicate that, right? Is this a social meeting? Is this a stand-up? We're all going to check in on our work and maybe there's a couple of minutes of social? Or is this a decision-making meeting where you've said, here's the decision we're going to make today? Uh, you are a fast learner, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm not kidding. Absolutely. I think... Uh, the more we are clear about the purpose of the meeting, the outcome that we want to get, the likelier is that everybody that is participating comes already prepared for the outcome, not just to go through their activity, through their three slides that I told them, you need to have three slides on this or, uh, you know. So when yeah. it's decision-making meeting, how do you balance limiting the attendance with making sure all the stakeholders are in the room so the decision has stickiness? Well, you need to find out who is, uh, who is a contributor to it, uh, who is actively in it and, and uh, contributing. Uh, that doesn't mean others could uh, contribute, but uh, they will contribute when they get the minutes. And uh, when we talk about minutes, uh, just a, a second, uh, uh, <clears throat> I don't like pages of minutes uh, that uh, who was talking uh, uh, first and second and third and about this and that. I like uh, five bullet points, you know, because those five bullet points will have an effect and they will, they will be read. Uh, If it's a a two page uh, beautiful uh, story, uh, nobody is going to go behind, uh, beyond the first paragraph. Yes. The cliff notes, if you will. Yeah. yeah. So now we have, we've done our preparation. We've, we've got, we've communicated the purpose of the meeting. We've got the right people in. We have a limited agenda. How do you take control of the meeting and present dynamically so that you don't lose them in the first five minutes? What are your, what's your advice on that? Well, uh, I, I, th- I think, and that's where really changes come into play. You really have to think, if, if you're the one that calls the meeting, you lead the meeting. That's uh, the assumption that I'm making. So you have to think through what, what should be the flow, what should we, uh, what sh- how should we get to X from, from A. And, and lay out... The flow layout. Uh, I'm uh, I'm using Mural for that too when I'm preparing for meetings. I, I have my little blocks and I and I move them around until I I have the right lineup. Uh, then you think about time, what what it will potentially take, and uh, and uh, and that little preparation may take 15 minutes, 
but that will help you to have a more streamlined and clear meeting and then you keep going and and uh, make make also changes uh, that you have people in the plan plenum uh, where you have everybody in and then uh, maybe have some specific questions which uh, some sub teams can work on in a breakout room and with mural you can work that out so that, that every breakout room has a has also a, a board i mean there's there's many ways but to keep things changing and, and and my attitude to that is maximum 20 minutes yeah and then you need to change scenario you need to move them into a breakout room or uh, you, you, if it's some a longer so subject, uh, uh, you need to make breaks. And and what I have done uh, lately is I'm I'm using Loom for that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't like to use PowerPoints in the meeting. Uh, I do as little as possible. So what I do is, uh, uh, yeah, I have my PowerPoint and I use Loom. Uh, Loom, okay, is that L O O M? L-O-M.co. And, uh, and you can make your PowerPoint presentation um, as a little video. And I try to cut them into five to seven minute segments. So then what I do is I say, okay, you have now 20 minutes break to take care of phone calls or whatever. Uh, and uh, um, one of the things you need to do during this break is to watch the next uh, uh, video, which you just uh, got the, the link, um, which is a six minute uh, video, which will lead us into the next part of our, of our uh, conversation. So I noticed on here, and I'm, I'm cheating here because I actually have a little cheat sheet that says adult learning module concepts. And I am dying for you to dig into that because I think that you're probably already referencing it without us knowing it, but I would like to know more about what that means to you. <laughs> First of all, it doesn't mean anything to me because the term was uh, put into that uh, uh, by my dear friend, Phil. But uh, I was, <laughs> was going to say, say, I sure hope that uh, Manfred can answer this because I was thinking, yeah, Manfred, you're talking about adult learning model. And that is, you know, delivering what you want in short segments. So, yes, yeah. Manfred is talking okay. about this already, right? Yes. Now, uh, first of all, we are talking about this, uh, but uh, I was thinking about uh, uh, how could I give additional interpretation to adult uh, learning, and and what I what I think what we do as coaches and and, and Carol, you will uh, realize that immediately, and I'm always Scott too. Is we 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 use Socratic methods. Um, and, what does and, that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you guy. Anything. You don't know anything. <laughs> but uh, uh, Socratic method is to, to find out basically to, to frame a content, uh, uh, frame a, a context, and then uh, ask a question that takes you outside of that context or that would challenge that context. And then you figure out uh, maybe a new enhanced uh, definition of the context. Uh, so we got to stop Concept here and, and highlight this again, because if you're listening to this and you didn't catch that, I want to make sure you get a, a second chance. This is about designing a message that isn't just talking at people. It's actually gaining from the audience. And I think that you're onto something that is one of the biggest challenges, which is that leaders come on and they think, here's what I want to do. Here's the brain dump I want to lead. And completely ignore the genius sitting on the other side of the camera saying, you know, I'd like to add into that. I'd like to be a part of this conversation. I could actually move this whole discussion forward if you would have just built into your 20 minutes an opportunity for me to participate, to help weigh in and design and sculpt this decision that we're making. So I, I love that you're bringing that in that says this needs to be an interaction as much as possible, not just formal Q&A, but an actual discussion. Love that. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Carol, if you would be now close to me, I would give you a bear hug. I mean, no, uh, you're on. You're see, on. <laughs> it's really, this is how you engage. Uh, yeah. This is how you bring people into it. 
Yeah. And, and the other thing uh, that I would say is dynamic inquiry. And of course, Phil already uh, smiles. Okay, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, dynamic inquiry. It's a, for example, a good dynamic inquiry question is, what do you mean when you say X? We use, we use very fat words, which your interpretation is different than mine. So we make assumptions. And we react, of course, based on our assumption. We need to find out more. I need to find out what you think when you, when you use uh, different terms uh, that are really subjective. Uh, otherwise, we are talking by each other and not with or each at other. each other, right? Or at each other. Yeah. You know, Manfred, Thank you for I, translating that to English, Carol. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> Manfred, I find that even in face-to-face meetings, there are people that will dominate the meeting and people that will sit back and just not feel like they can contribute. And I think it's even worse when we get into large online meetings. What um, tricks do you use to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to weigh in and participate? Uh, no, if, if I know uh, that, that the person tends to be a little bit overwhelming sometimes, uh, I, I, uh, I would, uh, with, with some fun, I would say, okay, uh, Scott, you have 90 seconds. <laughs> That's good. And do you, I, I hope that works, by the way, for well, you. Right. I'm thinking of all the places I've been. It's like, okay. <laughs> This is six minutes long. We're going to give you seven. And at eight, you're right. going, holy cow, can you stop with this? Right. So I'm hoping that works for you. But I like that. I think, you know, at your point, too, by it's not just that we have to, like, limit that. I like because I think Scott's point is super important, right? And the thing is, some people talk more than others. But that doesn't mean that they have more to contribute. It just means that's the mode in which their brain operates and they just like dumping that out. And it's not a a bad thing. It's just a way the world works. But the thing is, if you're going to pull other ideas out, then you have to figure out, am I going to go point to this? So I do this, for example, a lot at our Tech After Five meetings. I will say, hey, uh, Manfred, you haven't spoken tonight talk to us for a second and tell me X, Y, or Z. I want you to weigh in on this. So I use that. Let me tell you one thing that I've done, and I'm kind of curious if you guys are playing with this as well. So there's a particular question that I've got for the Tech After Five audiences, and I am really afraid of groupthink creeping in on it. So what I've done is I've put it inside a poll first so that everybody has to weigh in on the issue first before anyone sees the answer, right? So if I get 50 people on the call, 50 people have to answer the question. And then I say, now, this is what I'm hearing from you guys. Now, talk to me about what we see in that number. But I don't want a two or three strong voices to just overwhelm the conversation. Yeah, using, using uh, the chat feature is, of course, uh, 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 a great tool to, to get uh, lots of answers uh, to poll and then interpret the answers uh, uh, and then, then have maybe a little conversation. But you, you're absolutely right. Uh, there are always uh, dominating people. What I do uh, uh, and what I suggest to do is, uh, first of all, when you prepare the meeting, uh, Typically, a company meeting is not 50 people. It's uh, five people. It's maybe 12 people or something like that. So uh, you talk to your dominators before and say, hey, uh, don't overtake the meeting. We need to get everybody involved. We need to get to this result. Uh, I, will, I will let you know if, if you are taking too much time. I will sure. do that in preparation of the meeting. Uh, there is nothing wrong with being about, uh, authentic about this. People know that anyhow themselves, that they tend to be uh, a little bit uh, overpowering. And well, also I'd also- like, to, like to throw a point in, in the middle because I think you're, you're on to another really great point. And I think there's a, another piece to this, especially I do a lot of crossing languages and cultures. And I think the other thing you want to really practice with is the art of interrupting. 
Because even if you get the highest level of senior leader, it doesn't mean they can't go off on some, some tangent, some sort of goat hunt that you have no idea where they're going and why. But for you to be able to come in and say, you know, Phil, I think you're onto a brilliant point and forgive my interrupting, but I do want to note that um, on your, you know, we put this on your schedule and I'm concerned that we're going to run past your ability to stay for the decision. So I'm wondering if we could take that topic and put that into another time frame, or would you like this decision to be shifted to that? Now, if you're the high senior level, you get to, this is still your time, you get to decide, but I, I want to be really good at not letting people just randomly think, because I think sometimes they forget to look at the clock, and you're actually doing them a favor. Oh but my gosh, also- you are so nice. I would have done that in half the time, because I'm just not that nice to people, right? But I well, get I, the idea. <laughs> yes, if I wanted yeah. to write a check, I'm going to be really nice. <laughs> Because the chances are, if I'm having a meeting with senior leaders, I'm coming in with an ask, and I want a yes. <laughs> right. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, that's a good technique, right? Thank you for that. Now, back to this topic. Let's right. move on, call on somebody else. You know, I like Manfred's points about um, talking to your overwhelming people beforehand, if you know who they are, or, or telling them, hey, you've got 90 seconds. I like Phil's idea for avoiding groupthink by doing a poll. What what tool do you use to do that poll, by the way, Phil? Is that in the chat or is there some? Built in Zoom. It's built into Zoom. Yeah. And um, almost every platform has a polling. Almost all of them do. And I also like, you know, the idea of if you, if, you know, if somebody's been quiet, you say, hey, we haven't heard from you. What do you have to say? Because, you know, to Phil's point, the person that's quiet may have the most to contribute. They just don't feel comfortable jumping in or every time they jump in somebody runs right over them um so i think if you've done a good job of curating the room and you've got your diverse opinions in there you've got the decisions makers in there then it's incumbent on you to make sure you hear from everybody because you and have for a reason can we just yeah, add that Scott. same prep thing into the quiet ones? So, Scott, if you're my quiet guy and you're my quiet every meeting, and I know Manfred's doing this too, I'm going to go talk to my talkers and say, you know what? I need to make sure I hear from everybody. And I'm going to go ahead of time and say, Scott, I really need to hear from you in this meeting. So I'm going to be calling on you. Will you please get yourself mentally ready or whatever it is you need to do to be ready for that? Because what I don't want to do is take a really quiet person and say, hey, we need you to speak in front of some of the most the most important audience you're going to talk in front of this week and you've had no time to prep because that just feels like you've been thrown under the bus and i know manfred's really good at doing that too bringing those people in in a way that they can live with and Hmm? look uh, the interesting thing is what we are talking about here is not not only for digital meetings it's general good practice but with, with on a digital basis it is just twice as important to, yeah. to, to make it productive. It's twice as Well, important. the neat thing is I've got a mute button on my digital meetings that I didn't actually have on my other ones. So <laughs> just press a button, poof, he's gone. I do, I do use that sometimes. What does it say? Uh, someone said, uh, Phil, it's time to mute and boot. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so. going to catch on. <laughs> <laughs> mute and boot. That's going viral. I can feel that one. That's now the yeah. trailer. Time to move. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, man, we've done our prep work. We've, we've limit. We've got our topic. We've got the right people. You've talked to the talkers. You've talked to the not talkers. You're, you're breaking it up into sections. I love the idea of taking a 20-minute break and giving them something to watch and coming back together if it's a long topic. Now talk to us about the meeting's done. You limited your attendance to the real stakeholder decision makers, but now you want to communicate it out. You referred to that earlier with your minutes comment. Tell us a little bit more about the minutes and how you do that. When do you do it? What your tricks are for making those effective? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Number one, uh, uh, there is no productive meeting without documentation Uh, because if you don't, if you can't document, what's the purpose and what's the outcome, you didn't really have a meeting. Uh, and then it was a social meeting. <coughs> and in order to disseminate to those that uh, need to be in the know and need to uh, uh, understand what's being done or what's going on, 
you have to, to get the essence. And the key in, in meeting minutes is really to pull the essence out of it. Uh, and, and the key is then to, to create this uh, whatever three, five, eight bullet points. Don't, don't elaborate on, on uh, unimportant ongoings along the meeting. So it's not Manfred said this, and then Carol said this, and then Phil said this, and then Scott said this. It's just, no. here's what we decided. No. These were the three decisions or the three conclusions we got to, or five or four, whatever, or the one conclusion, and this is what it is all about. Uh, decision number one, Tuesday is your last day. Decision number two. <laughs> <laughs> you will turn into your computer by five o'clock. <laughs> so easy. And can, and can we just bring into the power of humor? I love the, the just this kind of thing where you're sitting here going it just because we're online and we're in a, what feels like a bit more formal setting doesn't mean we have to stop losing our sense of humor. In fact, I actually think it's, it's important that we get it even more so because and I'm looking at these notes about changing your visuals every 60 seconds and coming back to eye contact. I'd love for you to talk even more about that because I, I think those are such important pieces so that we can really keep connecting as humans because isn't that where the decisions and relationships are built? Manfred? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, when, you, when you mention eye contact, first of all, uh, again, uh, it's, it's important that everybody has the camera turned on. Otherwise, it's hard to make eye contact. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it's also important uh, to... to change the scenery on a, on a regular basis. And, and I think, again, that's not only for digital uh, uh, meetings, but uh, one big mistake in, the, in, our, in our communication activities and, and, uh, and how we interact is that our listening skills are generally uh, not the best. We may be all good talkers and good, good in talking too, but... Uh, but the most powerful part is listening and listening for understanding uh, rather than listening for response. And, and, and that is a discipline and a habit that needs to be built. Uh, and, and without that, it's, it's going to be hard having, having productive interactions. Manfred, what do you mean when you say change the scenery? Yeah. Uh, changing, first of all, uh, having different uh, uh, slides don't don't stick on a slide for five minutes if you use slides uh, make sure that you don't rather than having a, a slide full of uh, 20 points uh, which uh, i have seen uh, too often <laughs> have a slide with one point or maximum three uh, we like to think in threes our our, our hard wiring is kind of uh, in, 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 in terms of three. Uh, that's how we easy process and, uh, and digest. So uh, one, of the, one of the suggestions I uh, give to my clients when we talk about communication and, uh, and, uh, and using visuals, uh, think in three. Uh, there are three things that I'm going to talk about today. One, two, and three. So when we are going to number one, there are three things that are important in, in doing this, uh, you know? Yeah, I, I really like that, Manfred. Um, you know, a lot of times if I'm going to present, uh, I think it's important to give your listeners a roadmap. And so, you know, it's okay to put that roadmap in. And you can say at the beginning, all right, I'm going to cover three things today. One, two, three. And then first thing, and then when you get to the end, you can give a transition. All right, we're moving on to the second thing. We're moving on to the third thing. And just mm -hmm. the more of a roadmap you can give your listeners, the easier it is for them to follow you. That's I think. no question. Because then they, they, they are on the road with you. Mm -hmm. And they're so going. I wonder, yeah. Manfred, if you could take us. I'm sorry, am I interrupting? I was going to go on to tools, Phil. Actually, I was going to say, you know what? I think Carol has some questions about tools. You know, the thing is, how do we make this interesting? How do we make this fun? I think this is all great stuff. And, uh, okay, I want one last thing on this. Banford says, think in threes. Athos, Porthos, and Pfeiffer. What's the last? 
Airmen, yes. There you go. The three musketeers. I just want to say that always the three musketeers, right? The thing is, I always want to say D'Artagnan, but he was the fourth musketeer. He was the fourth. Athos and Aramis. Yeah, Athos, quite. So there we go. Those are three musketeers. Kind of the ratio. Yeah. What was the three? I feel glad for not saying Larry, Moe, and Curly. Right, the fourth stooge. Absolutely. All right, so we know this is getting edited. Shemp. Shemp is the fourth stooge. Shemp, yes. What about Curly Joe? There you go. So uh, um, anyway, I, I know this is a thing that uh, Carol cares deeply about. So Carol, talk just carry Manfred into some of the tools that can make this work a little bit better. Right. Well, so Manfred, we've been talking about changing the visuals, and I am so excited to hear you talking about unsharing your screen so that you're not locking people into to slides and editing your slides so that they're not staring at 25 bullet points, which is the equivalent of zero bullet points because they can't remember any of it, and making sure that you're getting human contact. But I would think, and you mentioned this in the, in, the pre, in the pre-conversation we had about Mural and using tools to help you not only build a really interesting presentation, but are you also using those in the presentations? And can you just tell us a little bit about the things that you're bringing in that are bringing this all to life in, in a more vibrant way? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think uh, for, uh, the, the tools and the platforms are evolving. Uh, yeah. And, and they're all evolving rapidly because there is this uh, market need for it. So uh, uh, I, I have uh, learned this from some other people that uh, were early starters with it. And, and, and I found uh, Mural a, a very interesting uh, digital whiteboard uh, because it, it offers, it offers a, a variety of, of little gadgets, tools on it, uh, like sticky notes, uh, different color stif- sticky notes. And, and if you have ever done uh, uh, an, an ideation uh, uh, activity uh, with design thinkers, they, they are very heavy into using sticky notes uh, <laughs> and, and, and whiteboards. And, and you, can, you can use the same technique uh, uh, because that creates also interaction, that creates collaboration because everybody has his color or her color of sticky notes and they can put it onto, onto uh, whatever subject you are you're working on, and you can use Mural then as well in the breakout room. So a group of three uh, can work on their question and, and put things together and work together on a uh, mutual uh, uh, platform on a, on a whiteboard, which you then can pull into the into the plenum when they explain what they what they uh, uh, did in their uh, little session, uh, and you can have different uh, uh, breakout rooms in Zoom and, and uh, of course also other platforms but I'm, I have I've pretty much uh, uh, stuck to Zoom now I, I'm yeah. once you're used with something you're, you, you're getting a little bit better and you see yeah so I want to bring up a point on that is to your to where that is I think one of the reasons that Zoom has been super successful is because they took a lot of the friction out of creating these calls that you know other services just seem more challenging to use. I mean, it is amazing to me just how challenging it can be to make a Google Meet work for a large group of people. It's just very hard, right? Uh, whereas Zoom took all the friction out. And the reason I want to bring it up in the tools section of what we're talking about is uh, and I've not used Mural, but I've heard lots of good things about it. But I would I use another tool at a call earlier in this week, someone else's call. I was on the call. I'm not even going to name the tool because I found it infuriating. But it occurred to me in this that we've trained the audience to think these things are going to be relatively easy to use. We want to engage them emotionally for them fun. And in these tools, if we're going to use something that's a little more difficult, we got to give them time to come to it. What I thought was crazy about this is they basically took, there were 300 some people on this call, threw them into rooms with a tool they'd never seen before and said, here, come up with an idea on this thing. And it's like, everybody spent most of the time going, what the heck is this? How do I navigate? I mean, and it was just, there. so I, I just, 
you know, we talked about wayfinding, we talked about having a roadmap, bringing people through. But I think we have to understand that on this roadmap, not everybody is in the same place. And we got to kind of bring them together so we can work together at the beginning. And there are some really nice tools for making this work. But you got to understand there's going to be some friction when you introduce a new tool in there. So we might have to have some tool training. That's right. Absolutely. I think think it's important to recognize the fact that you know, uh, when, when, when I work with a team on a regular basis, uh, what I would do is simply have a half an hour uh, a mural session with them uh, or it, call it a tool session. I don't want to make advertising for, for something. It's just for me, this is, uh, uh, this is now a little bit the standard at this point. And let's face it, five months from now, uh, there may be three others that, have the same or better features because that market is super dynamic and super evolving. Right. I would I would have a, a session on the tool so that everybody is at least reasonably acquainted how to use it. If you if you have a a one time group together, you may have to spend three minutes with the planner. So we are we are going to use this tool. Uh, and, and these are the features that you will uh, need to use in order to uh, do uh, your, your little breakout uh, work in, in smaller teams. And this is how it works. And, uh, and you, you go a little bit through the motion. That is two, three minutes. And, uh, and people are at least, they, they are intuitive anyhow. Uh, no, no, I think some of them are. I will say, again, this tool, which, I've, which will remain unnamed, Voldemort, um, which uh, this tool was just super challenging. And it's like, I think it was quite capable, but it was not an intuitive interface. And so it just required a lot of effort. And it was even worse as you had 300 people in it at the same time. And the tool showed you what everyone was doing all at once. I mean, it was, wow, lots of stuff going on in this board, right? All at the same time. So kind of hard in that regard. so we talk, the thing is, you uh, we talk about tools to make this look beautiful, right? So you've got, uh, you talk about murals, a thing to do, a nice collaboration, attractive. Whiteboard, digital whiteboard. Right, right. You, you mentioned Loom is one, is a way to present sort of PowerPoints that were even prettier than PowerPoint. Um, I've used uh, Beautiful AI. I think those in it and Loom are very similar. And I didn't realize that when we were putting the notes together at the beginning. But I've used Beautiful AI to great effect. I like that a lot. Um, <clears throat> another one that's come to mind that I have played with and I'm using in some of our meetings is I'm creating uh, short videos, explainer videos in something like Adobe Spark video, Adobe Spark post. Uh, I'm using that both to create some of the graphics that we use as well as short explainer videos inside the event. Um, you know, again, like you said, two minutes, five minutes, that kind of thing. Just here's where we are. This is what we're up to. Take a look at what's going on, that kind of stuff. So I think that works really well, too. Um, now, Carol mentioned a tool that I had never heard of before as we were did our pre-production meeting here, and I am completely intrigued by that. Carol, will you talk about that for a second? Yeah, this is uh, a client of mine who has been using Adobe, and we have finally gotten through all the connection issues that Adobe was having, which were profound. Um, Adobe actually has some really nice tools. However, None of the platforms, and I have officially been on all of them, she says, with hope um, at some point. The one that is brand new that just came up, which I believe somehow Adobe has the logo on it. So I don't know what the relationship is. I haven't had time to check it out, but it's called Hop In. And this is the one that scales in a way that nobody else seems to be managing. And so the same client that's all, all, all over Adobe, Adobe is now also exploring for a major event, 40,000 people, to bring in a conference feel. And everything I'm learning, and this is just through tutorials at this point, I have not seen it actually in action but what I'm seeing in it is that they are now the new conference hall of the digital world. And from the outside, it looks like they're going to be doing a really good job. There's opportunities for virtual marketing. There's even opportunities to have vendors have their own booth. There is a real ease in the breakout rooms, which, of course, is what sets Zoom apart from everybody else. Everybody has channels or something, but nobody does it as well as Zoom until we now meet Hop In, who may have made it even easier where people can go at will as opposed to by assignment. 
go into in and out of breakout rooms. There's backstage for your speakers where they can sit and chat and have conversation. And then there's the stage itself, in addition to breakout rooms for breakout sessions. So if this actually implements as well as it describes, uh, this is going to be a tool we're going to be seeing a lot of. I think that this is going to really solve some problems when you're trying to scale for town halls and any other kind of major uh, client gatherings, whatever else it is that you might be doing at scale. So yeah, interesting. I, I think those, those all just sound like important points, you know, and it's, it, it's obviously, you know, the platforms, right? And we like Zoom, but they're just things that it's just, it hasn't done. I mean, it is so great. It's pulled us so far along, but there are things we'd like to do, you know, like you said, at will. I'd like to be able to pull in and out of events at will. And right now, the way I do that inside of Zoom is super clunky, right? Which means I usually am quitting one session and going into another session to pull that off. That's right. just super clunky. And I can't, and there's no way for me to be in a room, you know, I might be tossed in a breakout room, which is super cool, but I, there's no way for me to be like in a room standing around with say 50 people on the call saying, I'd like to talk to Scott and I can chat with him, but I can't say, let's go off in a corner and talk for a couple of minutes and pull something up and then bring it back to the meeting. Right. So I think that's yep. really tough. Um, I, I think this has been a great conversation and I know we're kind of at the end of our time, maybe even a little bit over time, but I knew it was a big topic and uh, Manfred had some big ideas. I wanted to make sure that we got shared. So I want to say thank you to everybody for doing this thing that we did. Let's start with our guest, Manfred Gollant. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, your expertise and leadership training and your experiences and kind of talking to other folks about how they work through this. Tell people, if they want to find you, how do they get more Manfred Gollant in their life? First of all, uh, uh, they find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. Uh, but, uh, of course, our website is qli-international.com. And uh, you will find me on that. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm accessible. I'm, I'm around uh, virtually and physically. <laughs> Um, the thing is, for having me. this is really cool. Yeah, I'm super glad to have you. See, you know, you're so tall, so big in real life, but in Zoom, just like this, man, it's just a two-inch <laughs> square in Zoom. I have the to equalizer. <laughs> yeah, I like this as an equalizer. All right, uh, Scott Pfeiffer, how do people find you, friend? Well, the best place uh, is on LinkedIn, where I'm Scott Pfeiffer. You can also send an email to Strategy Business Consulting at gmail.com or my website is fscottp.com. Excellent. And my pal, Carol Hamilton, how do we find you if we want more of you in our lives? Well, you can certainly come to LinkedIn, which is carolhamiltonlive.com or my new bright, shiny website at carol, or excuse me, at hamiltonthinktank.com. Still under works, but just we're having a ton of fun with it. Come on over and say hi. Dive into the Hamilton think tank with us. <laughs> Big right. splash. Make a splash. Make yeah. it a splash. Yep. Yeah, I like it. Um, thank you. Uh, hey, I'm Phil Yanov, and my goal in life is to get you, my IT friends, connected and living better lives, which is why we brought Manfred and all this to you today, right? We're trying to be relentlessly useful, as my friend Scott Piper likes to say, how can we be relentlessly useful to you? And we hope that uh, we can help you as an IT person lead better meetings. And that's why we did this today. But uh, you can come and practice some of these skills on us if you'd like at one of our many events. Uh, find us at techafter5.com. And if for some reason you want to chat with me about something, you can always find me at philyanov.com, P-H-I-L-Y-A-N-O-V.com. But uh, thank you for being with us. Please do come hang out with us at a meeting. That's where we do our best work in uh, connecting you with other IT professionals and the folks who can help you. See you soon.